Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB, broadcasting live, well, live for me at least, in in the rugby dungeon, whereas trusty Phil is in sale in a shipping container. Hello, Phil, how are you? Hello, JB. I've managed to get the uh, Egg Chasers shipping container safely back to South Manchester or North Cheshire, depending on how you look at it. Ah, nice, nice. Uh, And I hope it's COVID secure. Absolutely, one hundred percent COVID secure. There is no uh, virus getting in or out of this shipping container. Excellent. And in his own socially distanced shipping container, much like Alan Partridge from a hotel room, Tim Cocker. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> Look at the high quality of that headrest, Tim. <laughs> what is that? Like it's mahogany? The most uncomfortable headrest <laughs> I've ever used. <laughs> Now, there is a reason, of course, you are in the um, Alan Partridge Hotel there. You, you're at a game, one of the very few. It's a travel tavern. Um, yeah, no, I was at <laughs> Saracens v Exeter today, which when the games were picked by BT Sport weeks and weeks ago, I imagine looked like the most exciting game of the weekend, grudge match, yeah. as the teams get ready and make their final preparations ahead of a huge weekend of European rugby. As it happens, the uh, the drama was elsewhere. Indeed, it was. Mm. I, I mean, just um, on this game, very, 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 very quickly. Uh, was this a, an Exeter third team? Can they go that that deep? Well, with the exception of Dollars, uh, Phil Dolman and, and Don, Don Armand, Armand yeah. who are who are superstars, I think you're not far off. Actually, in a lot of positions, it was probably third or fourth choice. Yeah, I'm which getting... is amazing it that is. they can put a team a, a team out that looked like a professional side, albeit they got handily beaten. But yeah, that that is quite something. Yeah, expect that team which got beaten today by Saracens to be in the Premiership final in three or four years, <laughs> or in the Booser final for Exeter <laughs> University yeah. next year. Yeah, quite. Yeah, quite. Uh, yeah, you're right. All the action was elsewhere, and. Uh, I don't know. I'm feeling a little bit nervous. I don't know why. I've got no skin in the game, but something, I think something about talking about the top four just puts me a bit on edge. Mm. Well, before before we jump into the big top four race, and I understand, here's a little tease for you. Just before we started, Phil said he has war-gamed what he thinks will happen, so we'll hear that in a, in a, in a bit. But um, let's quickly talk about Phil's beloved Ulster, who came unstuck against Leinster in the Pro 14 Oh, final. yeah, in the most expensive game of the year. Yes, yeah, the the one game per year 
on Premier Sports that you actually watched, JB, <laughs> despite having a monthly subscription for the last 12 months, or more than 12 months. Uh, monthly subscription to Premier Sport. How about I pay it up front once a year on direct debit, I forget about it, and then 119 <laughs> quid comes out every year, ostensibly for the Pro 14 final. So I watched last year, I watched half of last year's final, and all of this year's final. So depending on how you look at it, it's a pretty pricey game. It's it's more expensive than going going to watch a World Cup match, actually. How much yeah. would you have spent on that game if it was a one-off pay-per-view? What would have been your upper limit before you went, no, I'm not, I'm not interested? Great question. Um, I think if you'd given me the preview of the first... Do you know, like... Um, tel- um, do you know, like, uh, Television X used to give you the 10-minute preview? <laughs> right? <laughs> Either give me the free view of this game. The free view was like 60 minutes. Maybe 50 quid. <laughs> if, you, if you'd if you have shown me the James Hume try after four minutes, yeah. I, I probably would have spent 50 quid on this game. And there's a little timer I, like in it, like in the bottom corner going, five, four, three, <laughs> two. Your free view is over. Yeah, because that, that start, as an Ulster fan, I was, I said last week, I was not holding out much hope. And then as the week went on, I saw the team came out and I saw Hendo was back and I I just suddenly got a bit more optimism. And then friend of the pod, Derry Gasman, tweeted on the afternoon of the game, um, hear me now, believe me later, Ulster by two. And I thought, yeah, maybe we can do, maybe it's on. And then in that first five minutes, when Hume glides over, Hume, who is a young man, 21 years old, and just look, he's a big, strong boy with a turn of pace. He glides over from 30 yards out, and I thought, this is on. And then over the next 30 to 40 minutes, Ulster had some great attacking opportunities, multiple great attacking opportunities, and got so close so many times and just could not, they couldn't get over the line. They couldn't eke out a penalty. They couldn't do anything to to rile or disrupt Leinster. And then by the end of the first half, it felt inevit- inevitable. Yeah. And the moment that killed it was the um, Robbie Henshaw interception after 46 minutes. And from that, you just knew. Um, Leinster had already started building a score. Ulster couldn't get any more points on the board. And it was over. Yeah, it, sadly, it's fair to say. Well, there's two things which I thought about this game as I was watching it with Phil with whiskey sours. No, it wasn't whiskey sours. What did we have? Manhattans. Manhattans. Yeah, because yeah, you you couldn't find any uh, sugar syrup, and oh, you refused right. to make some sugar syrup as well. I'm not boiling sh- sugar on a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> so, two things about this game. Number one, Ulster play some lovely rugby. They're incredibly well coached, and you know they've. I say in this, they're like a a slightly more contained version of Scarlets from a few years ago, I, I feel. The way that they attack with ball in hand. That's very nice. And the other thing I would say is, I even think that Leinster admired the way that Ulster played. But they admired it because they were so comfortable. It's like, yeah, that's really, really good. Now we'll take, um, now we'll take the ball. So outside of that first try, I felt that, Ulster were throwing everything at Leinster and Leinster just turned it on in very, very small phases. As soon as they needed the ball, they'd go and get it. When they needed to score, they'd go and get it. But other than that, they were they were playing with their food, effectively. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And it, one thing 
more than anything else probably highlights that is the fact that Leinster were able to pick their second choice fly half for a final in order to get their second choice fly half, who is a very talented player, um, Ross Byrne, big game experience. Because Jay, you asked me, and I, I'm I'm absolutely certain Johnny Sexton is still Leinster's number one. But Leinster didn't need to play their number one in Amazing. this game, partly Amazing. because they knew that Byrne is more than good enough, but also partly because Sexton is 35 and has got another year or two left, whereas Byrne has got the next 10 plus years. And this finals experience will be huge for him. Yeah, What gets me on that is, first of all, Big players are going to want to play big games. I don't care what the rationale is from Leinster. I'm amazed that Johnny Sexton didn't throw his toys out the pram and say, no, I am 35 and I'm not going to have many finals left. I'm starting this, come what may. The fact that that didn't happen in my mind tells me that they take the Pro 14 not just for granted and not even as a warm-up for... Europe, because that's ultimately all Leinster can be then, isn't it? Is a warm-up for... Sorry, Leinster... Sorry, that's all that Leinster can see the Pro 14 as, is a warm-up for Europe. And you can't have a club team just based around that. So it tells me they use the Pro 14 not even as a warm-up for club games, but for international. This was a uh, a dress rehearsal for, for playing for Ireland, effectively. They even talked, in some of the post-match interviews, they even talked about next weekend didn't even keep it contained within that day I think you're absolutely right and I think what we maybe have forgotten because we had the five months stoppage and I think we need to remember this as we build up this week Leinster were so wounded after May Mm. in Newcastle uh, May last year yes the, the final when Saracens beat them they were wounded so I think it is a measure of just how much they want vengeance uh, and, and to put the record straight in Europe. But my, my only thought after this game from Leinster's point of view is, you know the scene in Lord of the Rings where the orcs just are sort of birthed out of the ground? Yes. Leinster do that with flankers. We were saying exactly this, exactly this last night. Their options are, are insane. Yeah, and I reckon Peter O'Malley's days in the Ireland number six jersey, might be looking numbered. Caelan Doris, my word. Yeah, Caelan Doris is class. Conan is a great ball player. And mm. um, Josh van der Fleer, oh, got, yeah. got, rightly got man of the match, was just everywhere and so, so disruptive. Even when he wasn't stealing balls, he was just slowing down and making a nuisance of himself and dragging Leinster would-be attackers into secure and clear-out rooks. Do you think... Pro 14 should have a word with Ireland over, over this because I, it does in some way damage the competition that they don't, I mean, at least pretend that you're taking it really seriously. I'm not saying that Ross Byrne wasn't taking it seriously, unless this was a legitimate selection. And I kind of think it might have been, actually. If that's the case, it's fine. If it was literally to get Ross Byrne big game experience, I think that's a bit shifty. Well, well no, I think that they obviously trust him at that level. Yeah, they wouldn't have picked. They wouldn't have picked him if it was a. Well, I don't know if he's going to sink or swim. They would have known. He, yeah, he's good enough. He can cope. Uh, but I think Phil's absolutely right. Johnny Sexton's days are numbered. They're hoping to play in lots of finals. And if Johnny Sexton gets gets a niggle next weekend, they'll want whoever's backing him up 
to, you know, be match ready. Unless, well, we'll find out next week, won't we? If they pick yeah. Burn again, that'd be fascinating. It, it would be. That, that might just totally blow my point out of the water. I mind too. Um, I, I, I do think that they will, um, I think they'll pick Sexton next weekend. I think so too. Um, but also, as well as the point I made before around um, the Burn experience, um, they they probably, as Tim alluded to before, they probably do um, value the win next weekend against Saracens and value the opportunity to win Europe again more highly than winning the Pro 14. Yeah. Um, and, and, and rightly so, because Leinster have been by far the best team yeah. in the Pro 14, a lot by a long way, the best team in the Pro 14. And it is not certain that they are the best team in Europe. And they've, they've and got to prove worth, that. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's worth remembering they've been comfortably the best team. And they may well be comfortably the best team in Europe. We will find out over the next few weeks. But um, they've done that with completely homegrown players, with one or two exceptions. Yes. It's remarkable. And in fairness to Leinster, you would say that over recent seasons, Saracens probably value the European Cup over the Premiership. It, you know, It's not unique. I think when you're that dominant in your domestic competition, it is Europe that you target. France, not so much, though. Because the top fourteen so savage, it may have been the yeah. cause of the and, and the and the kind of motivation behind, however good the intentions, the financial doping uh, the Saracens did was to conquer Europe. Yeah, well, I'm not sure you could do it any other way. Looking back at it now, we'll find yeah, out. It, it it will be interesting to see um, once you take that uh, financial irregularity out of the Premiership. What at what point do, does an English team next win the Champions Cup? And it might actually be for not for some time. Yeah. Well, the team which might be the one to watch, a full strength Exeter team, you'd expect them to do Northampton, and then they're yes. into the semis. <laughs> I think I think they'll then be up against Toulouse, don't they? God, yeah. Uh, so it would be. Toulouse yeah, at home three, or yes. England? Yes, it are... would be... Um, if Toulouse win, it would be in France. Uh, yeah. uh, but, of course, Ulster are going to beat Toulouse. So obviously. It, it would be um, Chiefs <laughs> facing Ulster in Ireland. Toulouse are going to have some fans in that game. Are they? Are they? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Can there be any Ulster fans? <laughs> Sadly not, Phil. <laughs> ah. You've got a good French accent. Buy a beret. Just get yourself over there. Oh, I've, I've got a lovely um, Toulouse rugby tie that I bought oh, from do. the Toulouse rugby shop um, when I was there a couple of years ago. So I'm, I could just don that and pretend I'm an official. Perfect. I, <laughs> ideal, in fact. Um, uh, we, we have been asked a bunch of times, and I wonder whether you might know the answer, well, either of you, but I suppose I'm particularly asking Phil. We've had a load of people saying, has any other club side been an invincible in the way that Leinster might be? If Leinster win the quarter, semi and final, they'll have played 28 games, won 28 games. Yeah, they, I mean, it sounds so hard. No, it is hard to say this without, uh, without sounding bitter. It doesn't count. It just doesn't. Um, being undefeated in Europe is magnificent. Winning Europe is the highest standard of um, club rugby in the Northern Hemisphere. And, you only do that if you're an incredible team. But, you know, winning the Pro 14 without being beaten, I mean, yeah, okay, fine. It, it, it's okay. It, it's reasonable. If you go through the Premiership without being beaten, 
that's an, that's amazing. If you go through the top four teams without being unbeaten, well, we might be looking at the best club side of all time then. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you, they can only play what's in front of them. Sadly, what's in front of them isn't always the best. And by the way, I'm not saying the Pro 14 teams are bad. Far from it. But sometimes the Pro 14 teams put out teams which are not suitable for that competition. That's more the point I'm making. Well, we've seen that in the Premiership. and well, Let's, let's jump across and well, talk do, about before, that more broadly. Oh, yeah, go on, Phil. Before you do, um, I did some digging into the perfect season. Oh, there oh. you go. Um, and so in terms of club rugby, the only one that I found was Crusaders in 2002 in the Super Rugby competition. They won every game, albeit it was an 11-game season. But they went 11 wins, no no draws, no losses, but they didn't have Europe and it was only an 11-game season, but it's still a remarkable achievement. Um, in terms of international rugby, both New Zealand in 2013 and England in 2016 had perfect seasons in 12, 13, 14 game seasons. That's pretty, that's pretty outstanding, actually. Yeah, it's fairly handy. But um, so Leinster's, um, for if, if they achieve it, for um, club rugby, it would be, in from what I found, it would be comfortably the single best season a team has ever had in terms of wins, wins and win ratio. Wow, wow! I'll tell you what, before we jump across, there were a couple of stories this week. It was confirmed as it's been talked about for a while. Uh, it was confirmed that the Eight Nations tournament, oh, sorry, the autumn. What is it called again? The Autumn, Autumn Nations. Eight, the Autumn Slam Down Eight Eight Nations Mega Bowl or something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is going to be that's going to involve Georgia, wow. who will, which means Fiji have jumped pools and will play against France and Scotland and England and Wales, and Ireland will play against Georgia. Am I got that right? Matt, you might have. I can't. I'm just trying to look it up now. I, I think that's right. I think it's Scotland, Italy, France, Fiji. <sighs> we're gonna have to. The worst thing is England, Wales, Ireland, Georgia, and all of this has been signed off. The French team are allowed to play. Everything's everything's okay with it. Uh, yes. I'm... So it, I'm just checking. It is England, Georgia, Ireland, Wales in Group yes. A, and then Fiji, France, Italy, Scotland in Group yeah. B. I hate this tournament so much. I mean, I know we're going to have to cover it. And when it's on, I'm sure I'll talk about it enthusiastically. And I might even enjoy a few of the games. I will enjoy, well, quite a few of the games. I I don't enjoy rugby just for the act of rugby. I I have club rugby for that. I enjoy international rugby for the spectacle of the awesome event of 80,000 fans all piling in, yada, yada, yada. And although I've enjoyed the premiership, I would also go back and say, that is where I get my actual rugby fix. That's... That's where I watch my rugby. I watch international for the events, and the thought of it just being behind closed doors or empty stadiums, ugh, I, I don't like it one bit. I am I am glad that Georgia are getting some games. I fear that it's going to... Well, I fear that they're not going to do very well against those three teams. Well, what, um, Yeah, it feels like if you're going to put them with any teams, you, if you're going to balance out the pools, because England, Ireland and Wales that's pretty stacked for Georgia yeah. to be in with them is tough to yeah. balance it out and to create eat more even games. It feels like France swapping for Georgia. And then you've got Italy 
Fiji, Scotland, Georgia in one pool. That's actually probably a fairly tasty little tournament. Yeah, it is actually. And I'll just add this as well. Because it's a tournament that's grown in scope, there is the perspective, well, there is the potential that when one of the bigger teams face Georgia, we might see it, you know a premiership-style midweek team, which I don't think does anything for the brand of international rugby. And I, I, I do agree with that. Yeah. I, I think you will see a 30-40 point win, even if England or Ireland um, or Wales play a bit of an experimental team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's good that they're getting games. I, I mean... Outside of a World Cup and Six Nations, I don't like seeing England v Wales. I'd much prefer to Agreed. see England v Georgia, even if it was a forty-point win. Uh, I, I just, I, but I understand why it's happening, and I will be glad to see rugby on the telly, and I'll be glad if people are talking about international rugby and stuff. So, I've I've got mixed feelings about it. The, the the other bit of news is Amazon are continuing their broadcasting in rugby. They did the Amazon, uh, they did the documentary with. New Zealand had a couple of international games, I think, and then here they are. Yeah, now the main broadcaster for a big tournament. I I mean, I hope that Amazon bring to the table what BT Sport brings to the table and hire the person I consider simply the best pitch side reporter in the business. Uh, Any prospect of that? Um, I don't think so. No, No. I've uh, I've got. I'm too heavily committed with the Egg Chasers podcast for that. I've told him. <laughs> I told him they'll have to have another couple of zeros on to prize me away from from that. I mean, prime gig. You're absolutely right, of course. But I just think you know, if you want an event and you can't have eighty thousand people, at least get your pitch side reporting spot on. I mean, I don't think I don't think that, that, that that's too much to ask, is it? Well, the the oh, best pitch side reporter is more than just a pitch side reporter, and exactly. has done number one's duty on a number of occasions. And I'd I'd like to see a, a big step up there if Amazon Prime are going to be serious about their rugby. Yeah, otherwise well, it's a waste of time, waste of time and money. And I, I recommend. I, I mean, I, tell, I from, from a totally Prime. neutral perspective, I tend to agree with you, gents. <laughs> I I will say that I've watched a bit of rugby on Channel Four, and one of the things that so. Channel 4 have done a couple of things. They've had some um, interesting pundits, but they've also wheeled out some of the same pundits that we see time and time again. And I hope Amazon do go down. Um, it'd be good to see a few tried and tested faces. Like Someone like Nick, Nick Mullins calling the game is just superb. Yeah. So that, that's always a positive. But I, I genuinely hope they do give some opportunities to some up-and-coming um, talent. And if... Uh, one of the egg chasers does happen to be um, one of those roles, all the better. Exactly right, Phil. The last thing you want to see is something where the same old faces, and I'm, I'm talking more like a BBC type, same old faces, the BBC, are just yeah. wheeled out year after year. After year. And, and some of the BBC coverage, but the BBC Wales coverage is simply the worst coverage of any sport I've ever seen, ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> they, they, they did a panel comedy show, um, and I can't remember who. Yeah, they brought on Raymond Blanc as a, a as a comedy member for uh, for this show. Raymond Blanc, the chef for England <laughs> for 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 Wales versus France, give, gives you a, a small insight into what watching rugby in Wales is like. <laughs> what other news has there been this week? I'm trying to think. Was there anything else? Oh yeah, just just very quickly, 
Um, do you think the judicial system that the RFU currently oversee implementing the World Rugby Guidelines on what bans are worth what, etc., do you think that needs to be changed? Because in the light of the Owen Farrell tackle and sanction, Pat Lambs and Alan Solomon's back and forth over Siali Piatow and Andrew Kitchener's um, suspensions, there's been a lot of people suggesting that the, that the system is broken, needs changing. What, what do you think? Uh, I think it's broken if you get hard done by by it, and it works perfectly okay if you don't. It's not something which I spend too much time thinking about. I do know someone actually who sits on these panels. I can tell you, he's an incredibly fair and very professional man. Um, so I, yeah, I just think it, you have to take it ca- um, case by case, and it's an all right system. It's not the best. It's not the worst. I I think it's just fine to carry on. In um, regard to these two specific incidents, Owen Farrell, I think, is fine. Um, the The process and the ban seem um, adequate to me. In terms of the, the more interesting one is the um, Piatau one. And it, it wasn't more interesting until Pat Lamb um, gave his post-match interview and gave those comments and it was incredible to see the number of people who were nodding along with him basically um saying oh he's absolutely right until then solomon's speaks and i i thought a former lawyer by the way who's who uh, solomon's solomon's i I believe so yeah yeah oh so i thought he spoke so well and so so clearly calmly concisely um and, it's about the fix. You've got to understand yeah, the, the fix. The, <laughs> I, I loved that. And I'd actually, I, I must admit that I I was one who was, I I really admire um, Pat Lamb. And I'd nodded along when he said, oh, it's unfair on, on Siali Piatau. He's much bigger guys coming up to him. He's had multiple concussions. He's just, he's just the poor innocent victim in all this. And so after hearing Solomon speak so well, I went back and watched the, um, <laughs> the game tape of the incident. And I have to say, um, from my perspective, um, Alan Solomon's um, analysis on it was a little bit more accurate, <laughs> a little bit less biased than <laughs> the Pat you... Lamb perspective. So I... it's, it was really interesting to see both sides. I tell you the bit which I enjoy, and it shouldn't change at all. <laughs> Are they, what's the what's the opposite to character assa- assassination? Uh, um, oh, the, what, what, well, basically, what Eddie Jones did for Owen Farrell, the <laughs> yeah. char- uh, character, character testimony. Building. I don't know what, what you yeah call testimony. It. But these guys talk. I mean, I, I I love how they phrase the. Um, in fact, it's very much like watching the new the new um, TV show um, Cobra Kai. Because you start seeing it from from the baddies' point of view, <laughs> so um, uh, the way that Solomon describes it and the way that Pat Lamb describes it, both their players are completely innocent. Yet there's been fists thrown. Uh, the way they describe Kitchener was it Kitchener who got involved? Kitchener, Andrew, the young, young Kitchener, young, young Andrew Kitchener, <laughs> a fine boy from a fine family, yeah, fine family. <laughs> like his upbringing has anything to do with it whatsoever. You know, charity giver, this, that, and the other. Um, <laughs> And then, of course, Sioli Piatau, who's only defending his, defending his health. And you think, no, 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 no. They just, got, they, they just got into a scrap. But maybe the best of all of them. But Owen Farrell got someone who works in a charity to come <laughs> and give him a character. If you don't know who Owen Farrell is at this point and you're sitting on a disciplinary committee, you shouldn't be there. <laughs> England, England captain Owen Farrell. 
exactly. Well, this, this this does jump back to the to the my question about the system because a lot of people went, oh, I can't believe Owen Farrell's got f- uh, five meaningful game ban. This is typical. He's back for England, and there was there was there was a sense in a lot of people that this was some kind of conspiracy stitch up. And this is where I think and Ben Kay wrote a really good piece in the Times, which I think was excellent this week, which summarised this issue. This issue. Ben Kay actually said, if you look at other similar incidents to the one Owen Farrell got, he's actually been more harshly dealt with than most players. Yeah. And in the world, he cited a couple of examples in the World Cup where players for the same offence got six weeks reduced to three. The reduction, the reduction by half, I think, is a ridiculous thing. Just have the sanction and maybe have some leniency that you can allow uh, <laughs> if there are some mitigating factors. But just knocking everything down by half across the board seems to be a crazy it's just, approach. It's just a high tackle, isn't it? It's a high tackle yeah. which occurred in a minority sport, which hardly anyone watched. And of that minority sport, which hardly anyone watched, an even smaller sub-faction are hanging on the result of Owen Farrell. And yet they mobilised the head of a charity to go and give him some, you know, some kind of, um, some kind of, some kind of write-up. Wouldn't surprise me in the next few, next few. I mean, if if Maratoji finds himself up in front of a committee, you can fully expect Shami Chakrabarti to show up. <laughs> well, that's one of the, the problem is the that Pope. that was one of the ways that they can add leniency is, I think, mitigating factors, remorse, which Owen Farrell showed plenty of immediately after the incident. He waited for the player to leave, shook his hand, apologised, all the rest of it, took responsibility. There are all, There's a list of ways that the judiciary can decide whether to knock something down. And character is one of those, is, is one of those little pointers. Actually... From what I gather, it played pre- pretty much zero part. All Eddie Jones's glowing words, charity played played pretty much no role whatsoever in him getting five weeks. But it just it's a good headline, and it makes people. It just adds to this sense that there's some sort of uh, have we have we got the wrong end of the process? Have we got the wrong end of the wrong end of the stick here? I mean, if he's got longer than other people, maybe they didn't say nice things about him. <laughs> so it was it was genuinely a character assassination from the charity from Eddie Jones. Yeah. Eddie what? Jones stitching up the, his, yeah. his own captain. Why why am I here? Owen? Yeah, of course he did it. It's Owen. Right. He was, okay. saying, he was saying before the game. <laughs> yeah. That this is what we tell him to do. And then the charity guy was like, Yeah, well he's no, he's never really shown up. I mean we do pay him a lot of money to show up. But yeah, I guess he does show up in a way. <laughs> Uh, I think we've got to the bottom of this. Yeah, I think you're right. What, there we go. It, another, another, another case closed. Yeah. What it does show with with both Pat Lamb and Alan Solomon's is just how good these guys are, and how kind of charismatic and what leadership they show to, for for kind of both of them to be setting their version of the facts, so everyone nods along to that, and it's only really when you go back it, and question it, and you can understand. It's about why, the fix. It's about why, the fix. Why uh, players. Um, do put their bodies on the line so for these Pat, guys. So interestingly, Pat Lamb asked to say a few words about this, didn't didn't he? He, he was asked he before said, the game. He was asked yeah. before the game by Sarah, and quite often these interviews are pre-recorded. Yeah. Um, at, well, in the case of a lot of the games at the minute, because there's so many of them, if if there's a 15 minute build up to a game, 
the interviews will be pre-recorded and quite often they put both directors of rugby together so you sort of get a sense of what they've both been saying Pat Lamb wanted to do this live we'll do it live ah uh, yeah because <laughs> Sarah said didn't she she goes now you wanted to say something about another topic yeah yeah so that's yeah, quite interesting she, she asked him about it and he said we'll talk about that live after the game so did um, would Alan Solomons be warned about what the question was or do you just answer off the cuff because if you answer off the cuff it's really impressive Solomon's was the next day, or it might have even been a couple of days later. Ah, right. So, um, yeah. yeah, got you. It was the next evening. So he had time to prepare. And like I say, Alan Solomon's a former lawyer. He he, uh, he did his homework. Lovely stuff. Lovely he stuff. He got the fix. Well, to, to be, Yeah, and to be fair to Pat Lamb, he's got a real good track record of um, when he doesn't like something, speaking up. And I'm not sure. I, I wonder if... if I wonder if he was Steve Diamond, if everyone would think it was so romantic and, uh, you know, such great, such great leadership. But like, I remember him in Connacht. He had a laptop out, didn't he? Showing, like, like how his hooker had been unfairly penalised by refs. And, you know, he can be yeah. very, very outspoken when he wants to be, which I quite like. And the yeah, 20, and, uh, 24, 25 players who no other club wanted. The worthless players. listed off one after another <laughs> that he has taken in under his wing. Yeah, trash. Worthless. <laughs> yeah. uh, but his players will look like Siali Piatau will love Pat Lamb. He'll he will run through walls for him. I mean, and he, he would have done. Does. I think he had that relationship with him already. Uh, but if there was any doubt that Pat Lamb's got your back, if you're a Bristol player, that would have been a big message to it. I'll go. I'll go into bat for you, and I'll. You know, yeah, it is great. I mean, you, you, you see this, don't you, by the amount of lads that come over from his old clubs. He seems to build relationships and keep them, and he trusts mm. lads to come in. And I think it's a, it's a really good way to, uh, a really good way to run your operation. And how he got Randrandra is by building a relationship with him on the Barbarians. Barbarians. Grooming. Yeah. And a million Grooming. quid. <laughs> and a million quid. And a million. <laughs> build a relationship and then give a million quid. It's a yeah. winning formula. It is, isn't it just? <laughs> isn't it just? Well, let's jump to the Premiership then, because well, since we last did a podcast, there were some midweek games, which were very one-sided, lopsided affairs, um, and we've seen a few more of those this weekend as well. Which is, it's one of the challenges of having so many fixtures in a short period of time. Yeah, and no relegation, of course. And had, no relegation. If you had relegation, well, yeah. you know, yeah, I think we'd see some remarkable games. Yeah, I, I think I, you're right. I, I tend to agree with that. This this period of time could have been incredible um, had there still been rele- relegation because you would have much more meaningful decisions about when to play your strongest team, weakest team, when to play your 1A, 1B, 1.5, 2.5, 3.5, whatever the Exeter side that got put out. Um, but it's the no relegation thing that, yeah. and that is leading to such one-sided games. And there's some very clear and obvious mapping out of what's going on here. And if you pay attention, I don't pay attention, but if you do pay attention, <laughs> like you do, Phil, you can sort of work out when the strong teams all come in, when the strong teams don't. I mean, I tell you what, if there, if there was ever a chance to earn some money from rugby on the betting markets, markets it'd be now studying these teams because you can get well, a real, real good, good, good grasp. We had a chat. I'm not. I'm not allowed, and I don't, and I wouldn't, and I haven't uh, bet bet on rugby for obvious reasons. But I, I, I did identify this week that there was 
there was big money to be made on spread betting. But um, mm, yeah, yeah, and and what I thought might happen did happen. Yeah, yes. on those I had it, it happened almost word for word as you described to us. I had wasps <laughs> to win by fifty one points to sixty one points, and they were three points off. Devastated. Oh, <laughs> that is a narrow window, JP. I know, I know, and I was so close. But what's the point? You it's a to... fool's game, anyway. It is a fool's game, but actually, it, it I is. think it's it, because I podcast about rugby. This is how I just justify it because I podcast about rugby. If I put two quid on wasps, and now I've got to focus on this on this game intently, otherwise I'd have turned it off at half time. <laughs> Well, that that is the beauty of um, fantasy rugby draft as well. That that does add a add a dynamic to watching rugby games. Yeah, except for um, when you forget it's a two legged semi. <laughs> yeah, so you've heard us talk about rug, uh, fantasy rugby draft a lot, and with the new season that will be coming in November, highly recommend you get some mates together, or we'll set up some egg chasers leagues. It's so good, uh, Jay. I will. I'm up against. I'm somehow managed to sneak past Phil into the semi finals. I'm in second leg of the semi-final with JB today. I had a slight lead from the first leg. And I thought, what's JB doing? He, he didn't set his lineup at all. Turns out, he just completely forgot. I thought I was out. I thought I was out. I thought I was out from last week. Did I score any points? Did anyone play? Uh, you got about 30 points, I think. Oh, yeah. You, you, you left. You had no fly half, but you left Manu Vunapola on your bench. You scored a hat full of points. Ugh, awful. <laughs> So I was watching rugby midweek and I was thinking my fantasy team would have killed it this week. Absolutely killed it. Uh, Yeah. Oh, well, we live, we learn. Let's focus on the top four race for a minute. And and so the way it stands after this weekend's games, and we can can talk about the games in a minute, but is Wasps unbelievable where they've come from and where they are. They're second on 61. Bath, third on 60. Sale, fourth, 59. Bristol, Fifth, 59. Two points separating four teams with two rounds mm. to go. Phil, yeah. wargame this out for us. Well, so there's there's two bits of additional information that are really important at, at this stage. And that okay. is when there's a draw um, in the league rankings, the first deciding factor is wins. And currently, Wasps in second, Sale in fourth, and Bristol in fifth, they all have 12 wins. Whereas Bath in third have 13 wins. So there's an immediate advantage for Bath from that perspective. Then the next deciding, if you're tied on points and wins, the next um, deciding factor is points differential. And Sale are comfortably ahead in points differential with plus 171, followed by Wasps on 115, then Bath on 52, and Bristol are only on 38 points differential. And I can't see the spread of those points differential is too great that it's not going to get past that as a deciding factor, even if by it would be it would be lucky. But there is a reasonable chance that we could end up with four teams all level on exactly the same number of points. And actually, the way I've war gamed it out is four teams oh, all, take on us through it. all on 69 points. Uh, take which, us through. So r- round twenty-one. Take us round twenty-one. What are the? What, how, so this, how do you see that? So interestingly, this is on. This is spread across a an eight-day period, because 
Bath play Gloucester on the 22nd, which I think is the Tuesday. So just after this coming weekend's European fixtures, when Bath play on the Friday night, they play Gloucester at home on the 22nd. Uh, all the rest of the games are the 28th, 29th and 30th. Um, so the following weekend and even into the following week. Um, and then there's a week after that, the 4th of October is the next round of games. So Bath, they've got Gloucester at home, then Saracens away. But they've got a full um, like 13, 14 days or 12, 13 days in between those th- those two games to get their prep right. Which is which is pretty big actually. It's huge. It's not um, bad. So wasps have got Quinns away and Exeter at home. I, I reckon actually now ra- rather than doing round by round, as you just said it there, it makes more sense to do it team by team. So yeah. Bath have got Gloucester at home, Saracens away. How do you see that how many points do you see Bath picking up? So I I've got Bath picking up nine points from those two. Now but that that does depend on Saracens um, against Leinster, um, how well or badly that game goes for them. And you can see this, because this will be Saracens, potentially their final game of the the year on the fourth. Um, How do they treat that? Is it a business decision? Because a lot of these players, I mean, I wouldn't play. Forget it. A lot of the England game, a lot of the England players will be playing a few weeks after that. And potentially, if they're through in Europe, they'll have had a game the week before that, and the week after that in in Europe. So yeah, the, the Leinster through, is, that makes a massive impact. So let's assume they lose to Leinster because Leinster will yeah. be big big favourites for that one. Then I think there's a chance they play in that one and and have kind of the, the last dance. I don't yeah. I don't know what they do because I've said this before. They're better people than I am. Um, I would not play. I mean, I wouldn't have played any of these games unless it suits my interest for Europe. I wouldn't have played a single game uh, with my big stars. And, you know, if Maratoji gets injured, a really bad injury in this last game, what was the point? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree that Bath will be, they will go into that basically knowing that if they win, that will take them to... Um, well, it's take them to 15 wins, so they're definitely through. Um, if they get uh, two five-point wins, they can pretty much secure a home semi-final as well. So for Bath, wow. that is huge. that is a huge game. So even if Saracens do put out their stars and the stars are having a last-dance-type moment, there's less motivation there. So I can see Bath getting five points against Gloucester at home, and I've got them down as four points against Saracens away. Which leaves them on 69 points. Which would put them on 69 points, but importantly, it would be uh, 15, wins. 15 wins, very importantly. Then Wasps. So Wasps on 61 currently leading the charge, um, albeit their points difference is not as good as um, sales. But they, they've got Quinns away, which I've got Wasps winning that. Um, although I've got them winning a four point with a four-point win. Because there's a bit of the historic derby there, and yeah. Quinns Quinns can do some nice stuff. I mean, um, I watched their game against uh, London Irish, and Marcus Smith was just superb. Yeah, such a good player. He's and the way, the way he scored his the first try, um, goose stepping round 
renowned speedster Dan Norton was absolutely really? class. Yeah. Wow. Quali- quality. That's he not- does look class. And I, I do love the mindset of Marcus Smith. So he was the the quickest to 500 points in the Premiership since, uh, since Johnny Wilkinson. So yeah. he's number two behind Johnny Wilkinson. And Marcus Smith's response to that was, well, I'll have to beat him to a thousand then. <laughs> kind wow. of, you know, I mean, showing no, not in a bad way. I'm not criticising this, but showing no reverence to Johnny Wilkinson. He's going, rightly so. Yeah, I'll beat him. So, but I, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that from him. It's great. Um, who is Premiership's highest point scorer? Would it be Hodgson? Must be, mustn't it? I reckon you might be right. And what do you reckon that is? A thousand, two thousand points like that? <sighs> I mean, we could find out if you weren't lazy. We, we yeah, should know this in a way, shouldn't we? Quite quickly find out, but um, I'll look up look at that later. Okay. Wasps. So you so you see wasps winning four four point win at Quinns, and then final day they've got a home to Exeter, aren't they? They are. But then I'm just looking up when the Premiership Rugby final is because if the Premiership Rugby final is the week after that, I can see Exeter who have already secured number one spot and home semi final against the fourth ranked team. Um, uh, actually, see, it's... I can see them putting their kids out because they're going to be well, they're going to be they're going to be wanting to go deep in Europe as well. They will want to go deep in Europe. It's actually uh, three weeks or two and a half weeks before the final. So, what, but they've got the semi final. Uh, they got the semi. Yeah. Okay. So yes, Exeter will put a, a relaxed team out. Yep. So I can. I've got in my predictions. I've got um, wasps at home to get a four-point win against Exeter's eight points. Puts them on sixty-nine. Puts them on sixty-nine with the second-best um, points differential, but with twelve wins. Uh, sorry, fourteen wins. So not as many as as um, wow. Bath. Then uh, Sale. So Sale currently on fifty-nine. They're in fourth position. They've got Saints away, and Saints who cannot buy a win at the moment. Oh my word! I, I mean that I was fully expecting that to be a comfortable Saints win this week, and it was a Leicester B team pretty much, and a Saints A team. One of the few times that Saints I, have I, actually played their best back row. I wouldn't quite say it's a Le- Leicester B team. I think it's just Leicester without the. Without a load of the new boys that they've signed but aren't yet available. Yeah. But also no no George Ford as well. No George Ford. But That's true. I, I'd like Zach to talk Henry about... looks class. Yeah, I'd like to talk about him in a little bit more detail later, actually. Okay, yeah. cool. Well yeah, maybe maybe a one point five maybe it's a bit unfair to both Saints and Leicester that. A one point five yeah. T is not is not Leicester's strongest team. In no. my mind that was It's the biggest derby in the it's the biggest derby in the bottom half of the table by a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> But that, in my mind, that was what Chris Boyd thinks is Northampton's strongest team. And I, yes. was, I was thinking, finally, he's picked his strongest back row. Finally, we're seeing Ludlam and Harrison together. Uh, we're seeing some of the best combinations, and they couldn't do it. The pressure got to them. And, and Leicester, Zach Henry, and the young lad, Stuart, played really well. So any, anyway, Sale, Sale play against Saints away, and I've got that as a five-point win for Sale. And Sale then play Worcester at home which will be a five-point win for Sale. So that puts Sale on 69 points with 14 wins and with comfortably the best points differential. 
And the final one is Bristol, who have two relatively easy games. They've got Leicester at home, five-point win, and London Irish away, five-point win, which puts them on 69 points. But they've won 14 games, but they unless they... Um, unless their wins against Tigers and Irish are better, significantly better than Bath's... Oh, no, because it won't even be Bath's. No, because Bath will be ahead. So they'd have to be... So they'd have to beat Tigers and Irish by uh, 70 points more than Wasps beat Quinns and Exeter by. So what are we saying? Bristol are out? In my in my war game scenario, Bristol don't make it through. Wow. But that that oh. does assume that does assume that Exeter play a weakened team and that Wasps Wasps can turn over Exeter on the final day. I mean, I, I think I actually think the the toughest, I think the 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 most likely result to be different from what you've just war game there is Wasps away at Quinns. Actually, yeah, mm. Quinns get battered. I don't know. Actually, look, I if. If Wasps make the top four, that is an achievement beyond anyone's wildest dreams for, for that side. I mean, maybe there were people inside the camp that thought they could do it. I did Ninth not think at Christmas? Could. Ninth yeah, or tenth I, at Christmas? I thought were. they were relegation fodder. In a normal season, I thought they would be, well, yeah, with Leicester Tigers, London Irish, Wasps, but, uh, Worcester battling it out. Did anyone think any different of, of this team? I did not expect them to be competing. I, I, I said as much when we were reviewing the restart. I had, I mean, I, I got it totally wrong because I thought Northampton were going to kick on, and I thought Wasps were totally out of it. Yeah, I mean, Agreed. the, the champion uh, or the championship all all stars, as we should refer to them, because that's effectively what they are. Uh, yeah, because uh, we'll talk about this later. We've not even mentioned their kid uh, Barbary yet. Yeah, what I'll was that all about, Bar- Barbieri? Him and uh, Ogre. Oh, I I love Ogre. Gabriel Gabriel Ogre and Alfie Barberi, yeah. Genuinely, one of my favourite players. third and fourth choice hookers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course they are. (laughs) Because Tommy Taylor and Tom Cruise. Yeah, so um, Gabriel Ogre, I I just love love what he does and how he does it and his attitude and the way he plays. Like, back row slash hooker. Like, this proves a point. He's not a massive lad, but he's got the right attitude. And he goes, yeah. I'll play Hawker. Well, why not? It's a you know a couple of extra thousand pounds in my pay packet. I'll absolutely do, do it. He kicks the ball. He tackles hard. He carries hard. I think he's really got really got really got something about him there. Uh, and then this kid, Barbary, Bar- Barbary, Barbary, only a hat trick from the back row as a front row. Ridiculous. Four tries in in a hundred minutes of rugby, Premiership rugby. Yeah, did you read and, and, one and he, one and a quarter one and a quarter games, four tries, and he's nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that bit as well. Um, it is worth and don't don't forget don't forget I, I anointed uh, Maru Itoji. I gave him his first Gallagher Premiership Man of the Match uh, trophy, <laughs> and I've done the same for Alfie Barberi as oh, well. Oh yes, is he a big boy? Uh, so he's listed at. Oh, six foot one and 116 kg. Did he feel so, like 116 kg, Tim, when 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 you saw him? Um, yeah, he, he's he's uh, got depth. Like like he's about yeah. Him and I were sort of at eye level. I was maybe had a half an inch on him or whatever. But you'd have battered actually, him, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but he's um for a 19 year old lad, he's just developed. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's um 
So I mean, you're a guy who plays back row and hooker. Did you feel? Did you feel after we just give him a few tips? Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I, I've said I'm always. There's my number. If you need need any advice, just give me a buzz. Yeah. yeah well, um, it... do you know what? I I I got a little bit of insight actually from from Wasp. I was at the Rico and just just chatting around and stuff. I think one of the biggest differences from Wasps <clears throat> that a couple of people I spoke to identified, and what maybe one of the best uses of lockdown is Wasps fitness has improved massively. And that's had a huge effect both on the way they're able to attack. And Lee Blackett gave a bit of insight as well when I, when I checked to him in the interview in that they have a whole day of the week or half of the time of when they're doing their um, preparation in the week, half the time gets spent on unstructured rugby. So turnover <laughs> ball and what they do with it, uh, loose play. It's Whereas the sort of staple for teams is to practice everything their set moves and three or four phases off of a line out wasps train loads and loads half of their time gets spent on just what you do and that's why you see so many brilliant offloads oh, the, and um... angles angles being cut by different players even guys like tom cruise cutting angles like like Chris Ashton does support lines like he does. Yeah, These I, guys understand I, what to do in that type of rugby. I was talking to a lad who played rugby with Tom Cruise at, at Wilmslow Rugby Club. Uh, and he said playing with Tom Cruise when he was 19 or however old he was at the time, 17, just out of school. Or, or... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. What you? Uh, he said, it is like playing with a different level of player. Just, uh, just do everything. Hands, tackling, fitness the lot and uh, now you know as soon as he's given his chance he's been absolutely awesome and back to your stretch of rugby point tim i mean did anything scream unstructured rugby more than the casual way that kibariki just tossed the ball out of one hand for no reason <laughs> i mean he could have put in an, an actual pass but no i'll just toss it with one hand yeah kibariki as well has been one of the best wingers in the league this year him been, yeah he's been so consistent he's so fast he's so strong <laughs> And in that exact example, where he breaks down the right wing and he offloads inside to was it Robson? Yeah, Robson. It's usually Dan Robson. Yeah, I'm pretty he, sure it he was. He scored that. a try just like that today. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it cuts. class. Um, well, yeah, Kibariggi and Rory, McC- Rory McConaughey are by far the two most effective English wingers at the moment. Just to bookend the point I made on Wasp, the the fitness that they've done has enabled them to play that type of unstructured attacking rugby. But I think it's been the biggest single factor that's improved their defence, which shouldn't get overlooked in the mix. Wasp's defence is night and day from where it was before Christmas. Well, defence is easy to fix, isn't it? All you got to really want to uh, <clears throat> yeah. really do is want to do it. I mean, that's and if you're a professional player 
and if you will Roland's at you know six seven and uh, yeah all the other I mean they're all great specimens um defense should be relatively easy if you all want to do it what gets me well, about you... wasps is they are all playing well they seem to be yeah. squeezing every inch of talent out of ev- uh, uh, out of every lad there mm. so this this was I watched watched this game this afternoon watched it while I was down in the gym um this was a, a really good um, wasp performance against a weakened Bristol side. Uh, the the two positives for Bristol in this game, and, and one's a positive for Bristol, one's really a positive for Saracens, was that um, Piers O'Connor, I thought, was great and one of the best players in the Bristol backline. I thought Max Malloon was possibly the best player on the pitch, which which is high praise indeed because wasp played so well. But I thought Max Malloon's was absolutely class. He had his he moments, didn't he? so good. Yeah. Um, but he was on comfortably the worst team, and Wasp out totally outplayed them. Yeah, I, I don't know how long Wasps this Wasps thing can last. I I have a horrible sinking feeling it isn't long because I just and, do. But I I really hope that they get to the playoffs, and I hope they do some damage in the playoffs too. Well, as I said before, the games so the Salem Bristol games are pretty easy. Wasps and Bath have got one hard game and one medium tough game, yeah. so. You can see one of those two. Those those two are in prime position, but you can see one of those two teams slipping up and ended up in fifth place, which would be it would be tough to take because Wasps are playing some some superb stuff at the moment. Well, my take. Well, let's from... do... sorry, go on, Tim. No, no, go on. Are you going to you yeah. rounding that off? Because I was I was just going to move us on, but that's fine. I was just going to say you the carry on. Big, yeah. The big thing for me here is that if Wasps fail to get into the playoffs, it's still been an aw- an awesome season. You know, they they can, you know they can. Uh, hold the heads up high if bristol failed to make the playoffs it's been in my uh, my opinion an absolute disaster and that and that'd be the two that would be the biggest difference the other thing as well going into the playoffs is if wasps are there and they've done it the hard way they're going to be far more formidable because they'll 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 be somewhat more battle hardened than if you had to go to worcester and another and well for any team they're going to have to go on at least a two-game winning streak. But for Wasps, it's it's a big winning streak that they're on and a totally buoyant camp mm. um, since everything restarted. It does bring so its own it, pressure, that, though, doesn't it, the winning streak? Well, there's positives and negatives because you, you want the game after game where you're, you are getting result after result. You don't want to be thinking, oh, but only two games ago we, we got turned over by, well, in, in Bristol it, case, by Wasps. Um, or in Sale's case, Bath, yeah. as uh, it might be worth going on to. Yes, indeed. Oh, yeah, this game. Let's talk about this. Yeah. So, I thought Bath were in with one hell of a shout of winning this, to be fair. I, I, I did think that. Even though I picked Sale, I thought Bath were in a, a, a pretty good place. And in fairness to them, they've turned themselves into a serious team. Now, they've always had serious players, but I don't think they've ever had serious management well they do now they do now and this really comes across and one of the things actually phil and i were talking about last night was the impact of uh josh Matavesi. i mean that guy's been an inspired um an inspired signing and in a way shows you that bath are taking things seriously now whereas before they would sign big names now they sign people who actually play good rugby and are useful to their side yeah, and, and Matavesi has shown his usefulness by playing a number of different positions. Yeah. 
and yeah, being full back, full back ten and twelve. Yeah, and being more than competent. He's he's never going to be um, the first choice ten or full back, but he can he can fit in and be more than able in all those positions. And he offers a good all round skill set. His 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 skill set reminds me. Um, some people might think this is a, a slight, but I think this is a massive compliment. His all round skill set reminds me of um, Sacchino. Who's playing well now? He's back in the Premiership with Saracens. Yeah, he can he can carry very hard. He's got a deceptive turn of pace, and he also has a deceptive um, kicking and passing game. Mm. He, he's but, a very good player. I, the reason I say he's serious, right, is because you look at what Bath need, and he feel and, and he does a great job. And also remember who he replaced, Jamie Roberts. So you know he came in on. One third, probably one third of the wage, and has three times the impact. I mean, that is good signing. That's exactly exactly what you wanted to do, rather than sign people because because of their names. I'm not saying that's what exactly what happened with Jamie Roberts, but that's certainly what has happened at Bath in the past. So you can see that they're getting serious, and I think Hatley is a serious, serious coach. And all he needs to do is just get some standards in there, and the talent will do the rest. Mm. Um. And Bath have some serious talent, not yes. all big names, in their type five. Oh. oh, my word. And that was the, once again, uh, I, I just, oh, the man in the type five, the captain, Charlie Yules, I'm so impressed by him as a man and as a leader. Are you and falling for he, it as well? Sorry? <laughs> Are you falling for this as well? I'm so, I am falling for Charlie Yules a little bit, yeah, I've got to say. Mm. He, um, he was chatting in the week. He was put up, did the press conference. And his, his basic point was, yeah, our power game's going really well, but we're going to come up against a team where that's going to get negated. We've got we've got to be able to win in different ways. So we we know we, that's the next step we've got to take. So basically, they've got to get guys like JJ and Anthony Watson ripping teams to shreds out wide. And Rory and McConaughey, as you've already pointed out, is just having a absolutely incredible that try he scored since, since was outrageous I, again just but as much as charlie Yules is saying there will come a point and they will play a team think exeter where that won't have an impact this was the biggest test of that bath type five yet against sale yeah and they did a job on them as well which is formidable <sighs> yeah tough one um tough one uh, <laughs> I don't like the attitude of we will come up against a team who can beat us up up front. I really don't like that at all. I know that's what you should say to the cameras and the reporters and whatnot. But actually, the message should be, no, we'll never get beaten up. That's the, that's the whole point of what we do and why we train. We're not training for the one day that, that we lose. We intend to beat up absolutely every last person that, that we see from now until forever and a day. I really don't like the idea that, yeah, well, you know, we're pretty good at that, but we probably will lose to Exeter, so best... I, I may not life. have... I may have paraphrased no, what no, Charlie Yules was saying. Yeah. I don't think he said that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying... I think probably what he said is exactly as you phrased it, because I've heard that so many times. We need to learn to, to play in different... It's such robotic, boring coach chat. Um, as for <laughs> Charlie Yules, he's playing great. He is playing great. So I, yeah. uh, he, I look, ever since he re- he's, and he looks hard as nails with his <laughs> shaved head as well. Uh, <laughs> he knows how to play the game, though. I mean, I don't mean the game of rugby. That's obvious. But he's a great spokesman for what you want. If you're in charge of a club and you want a captain and someone who can speak to the press and speak to the lads, that is what I think his 
how can I say? How can I say it's not sounding horribly offensive okay, towards him? I'll say it for you. You're saying if if you wanted to make if you made a phone call to Central Casting and said, yeah. send me a rugby captain, they'd send you Charlie Yules. Yeah, what well, someone that acts like a rugby captain. Yeah. If you phone up Central Captain uh, sorry, Central Casting but for a Radio 4 documentary. So you don't see him, you just have to hear what he says. That's when you get Charlie Yules. <laughs> so, yeah, hell of a player. Uh, I just don't like the, yeah, we have to learn to play in different ways. No, you don't. You should be really good at the thing you do. Well, then, then and they're not going to stop. They, then they're never going to stop focusing on their type five. But to, to go and, the, uh, no, bullies over. Is bully, bullying overdoing it? What they did to Sale? They did not bully Sale. It was a battle. They didn't of, bully them. The, it, it was a it was... a battle of um, evenly matched teams, and you know, on any given Sunday, Tim, anything can happen. It was an arm wrestle, and they came out just on top at the Marland Yard offload. Oh, oh my god, that will stick with me for straight some, to Ben Spencer. Time. What was he thinking? Was... I'm going to was... demi offload to nobody. <laughs> as a neutral it must be it must have been tough watching there were neutrals game. all over the northwest with their heads in their hands uh screaming as their family tried to ha- tried to have a barbecue i can assure you of that much. <laughs> um... <laughs> can, I, can i just make one observation so a quote from february steve diamond I've not spoken to Eddie about playing tom curry at number 8 no and he will not play number 8 for us Today, where did Tom Curry play? Did he play number eight? He, he didn't start number eight, eight. did he? Did he start Sorry? at eight? Yeah. Yep. Did he? I missed that he completely. Ah. Yeah, I did notice that as well. How, <laughs> I, I don't think he's the number eight that Sale need. I think Dimes is broadly right, but you know needs must and all the rest of it. He was right in February and he's right today, yeah? I think so. I, th- I think that's <laughs> broadly where I stand on that. <laughs> so I mean, it was a bit of a gut punch uh, for sale this one, and yeah, you know, <laughs> what it is, isn't it? it? Is what it is. <laughs> I tell you what, AJ played well. Uh, the, AJ, AJ the, did play well. I mean, the, yeah. the way he unlocked the Bath defence for Dunderpreers was it Dunderpreers who scored? Uh, it was it, well, they, they, they both, both, both scored. Both the twins. It was John Luke scored that one that you're thinking of. Just I mad, that... just magical. Absolutely magical. He's such a good player. It's ridiculous. That was class. And I, I, I like, it's in, you've mentioned him before, um, Tom de Glanville. I thought had a, mm. a good, more solid game, um, some nice fast feet, nice offloads. I, I thought he played um, some fairly handy stuff. And it's good to see. So Wasps have obviously got some star power um, right across the team. But the two young lads, um, Hamer Webb and Glanville, um, both playing in a big game and both performing in a in a big game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're ob- they've obviously made their mark, haven't they? Because they're, they're <clears> starting <throat> in one of the most important games of of the season. And yeah, and and starting ahead of um, well, international caliber uh, international players um, in um, Rockadagoonie and Anthony Watson. Yeah, just um, a, a little note here. Great to see Hen- great to see Henry Thomas back. Uh, just yeah. can't get a break. Hopefully he will now. Um, yeah. Also, just another thing. Will Spencer coming off your bench. That's a big old horrible, horrible boy to to deal with. And uh, I guess lastly would be uh, Ben Spencer has to be starting in England scrum half. Has to be. I, I, I really rate Ben Spencer. And yeah. I'm... 
I know. I mean, Ben Young's. Ben Young's. Is he? Is he still wearing the shirt officially? I mean, he might still have one. Um, I've got no <laughs> idea. I have no idea. He can't start for England. Not bearing in mind what he does for his club team, which is very little. He didn't get yellow carded. Actually, comes to think of it. He he got the um, intercept try. It's not really an intercept. The pickup try when uh, Furbank got smashed by Nandolo. Yeah, in the no, first it was five minutes. It was midweek. That's what it was. Midweek, he get he picks up a yellow card and, uh, okay. make, and forces. Oh Zach yeah, he Henry. just came on as a replacement and then got yellow carded. No, I'm I'm going to stick up for for Ben Youngs. Not necessarily to say that he should be starting in the autumn for England as first choice, but he's he's one of those players that. Everyone he plays with, at international or club level, rave about him. Well, not everyone at club level. Put, but some put, at aside, put aside as well the fact I can attest he is a, a, a an incredibly lovely human being. But is everyone, this a ca- character? Um, what is it? The, yeah, what's the testimony. opposite of a character assassination? Testimony. Character yeah. testimony from Tim Cocker. So ben, a, ben Young's he, England spot. He's an incredible human being, but coaches wherever he plays at whatever level and teammates rave about how good he is so i don't i don't think we should just cast him aside so casually how it's more yes focused on ben spencer and how brilliantly he's playing mm-hmm. and he's the biggest difference to that bath side the control mm. that he gives and quite often people talk about ben spencer as well he's he's really quick he's um He's a good sort of uh, impact scrum half, but no, actually, he's demonstrating at Bath he can control a game. I completely agree. Now, you know, if this BT malarkey doesn't work out for you, Tim, would you be um, for hire to do disciplinaries? Oh hell yeah! Car- uh, character testimony. Character, te- car- character testimony from Tim from from Tim Cocker. You just did uh, Spencer and Young Zen in the in, in like the space of a minute. <laughs> yeah, too right. And I, I would, I would definitely have their bands on both of them. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'd say uh, scrum halves. Ben Spencer and Dan Robson are both playing incredible rugby. Yeah, yeah. It's funny with Ben Spencer. I assume he must be twenty-two or something. He's not. He's twenty-eight. I, as much as he must have loved his time at Saracens, I'm sure he would have stayed there if the option was open. It feels like he's never really nailed down a first team position and we don't really know exactly what he can do i feel we're seeing a, a, a more advanced side of him now because that bath team is clearly his mm. yeah he he's wrangled the first team spot off um shudders who, who i who i do really like i really Chudley. Agree too yeah but i think ben spencer is is a cut above yeah uh, another t- another 28 year old bath player you've already mentioned him who Seems younger, but Rory McConaughey. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, just what a what a restart he's had. He did he did a great interview in the Times a couple of days ago, uh, yeah. where he was really open about he he suffered a kind of mental fatigue and and a sort of hangover effect from the World Cup, and he wasn't playing great, mm. and he's refreshed, and he's the the form winger in. In the Premiership, yeah, it, it was an mm. alright interview. Um, there's a better one on Rugby Dungeon, so if you want to check out that instead. <laughs> oh, I agree with that. I, was, that, that, <laughs> I, that I, I thought that was a ghost without saying, JB. Yeah, yeah. Just in case anyone out there was thinking of looking, you know, finding the times, just go to Rugby Dungeon. It's far, far better. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, he asked us right. So, in terms of England, because this is a, kind of around the corner now. 
McConaughey, definitely. Are we saying definitely? In the squad, I think he deserves to be selected in the squad, yeah. Would you start him? Um, no, I think I'd start... I think I'd go Watson and Daly in my back three, and then you've got a choice, haven't you? Noel. Johnny May. Johnny May. Well, no, Johnny May has to start. So Johnny yeah. May... Johnny, Johnny May and Anthony Watson are definitely in my back three. Probably Daly's going to end up as the other. So but I I'd be quite happy. would agree yeah. with you. Yeah, like The reality on the ground is that has to happen, I think. But in terms of picking a team based on how they've played since rugby has returned, McConaughey, I'd like to see Kibberuggi have you know, be looked at at least. Um, Thorley. Yeah, Thorley's Thorley, Thorley. If if you're picking just based on restart, Thorley's, Thorley's got to be in there. Uh, of course, Luke James as well. So those, <laughs> absolutely, uh, those four have to be. I mean, I mean, Furbank had a horrible game. I wonder if if he'll be returning to England. Yeah, and I, I I stood up for him last week because um, I I do like Furbank. I think he's class, but his performance this week and the repeated performances of Northampton are making it increasingly difficult to continue to back him. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? It's really Ollie Hassel Collins is looking great as well. Yeah, I like I, him. I really I like him. Really, I was going to say, from I watched the full Irish Quinns game uh, midweek and Irish, they did a few nice things. He was their best player. The Which... tackle he put in on um, Aaron Morris going in for the corner... Yes, absolutely lined him up and nailed him into touch. It was a superb tackle. I wonder and he if he put in go... a couple of other ones as well. I wonder if he'll end up at Bath or somewhere. <laughs> it's the tried and tested route, isn't it? Well, yeah, you go to Irish and you end up somewhere else, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like, do you remember? Uh, is it Adam Adam Thompson? Yeah, is that the lad? Lighting it up for Irish, went to Leicester, never saw him again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, I agree. I think he's a, a bloody good player. England are blessed in certain positions with a lot of players, and it's that it's that old thing. Well, who do you drop? Because you, um, you're not going to drop Watson, May, or Daly. I no, would and... drop May at the moment. And then no- Noel is Jack Noel, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he does Jack get that, he's that, That's four. And how many how many are you going to have in your squad? I think you've only got two more in your squad, and yeah. I would go probably I'd probably go Ollie Thorley and. Rory McConaughey, two different types. They're sort of McConaughey's a bit more finishy. Yeah, you've well, yeah, oh, yeah. He's so fast. Yeah, you. They were like so one big fast. one, one small one. But then, but then Joe Thock and the singer's coming back soon. He, Ollie Hassel Collins, as we've mentioned, there's there's just there's a and lot a, of talent. Now, Hassel guy... Collins strikes me, and I've only watched him sort of briefly, so I don't know his stats. He strikes me as a bigger type of winger. Am I right in that? Uh, Which one? Sorry, Thorley. Certainly, no, um, Hassel Collins. Certainly seems very no. powerful. Yeah, I think he's I, more. I... He's powerful, yeah, but I think he's more like Anthony Watson, sort of steppy and lithe. Yeah, um, I mean, he's so I'm just looking up his stats. So he's he's pretty tall. Uh, he's listed as six four, but wow, didn't know that. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have predicted that. But um, ninety nine kg. Which is not enormous when it's across a six foot four frame. No, it's not, is it? Um, yeah, I I do really rate him. In normal, the, the other guy who had a great start to lockdown and then picked up an injury against Bristol, 
is a guy I really, really like. It, it is um, Ollie Woodburn. Yeah, Wooders. Because uh, he, he's, so he's fast, he's, he's very strong, he's very good under a high ball. And what he does offer, what, what Exeter use him for so well is almost as that second playmaker. They use him out the back off 10, drawing the 13, but then um, looking for options and yeah. a distributing option. So it must he, be so, he's class. so frustrating in international rugby in general, actually. Because it used to be whoever plays best, like the Clive Woodward era was very much whoever plays best in the league gets, gets in the team. And that was frequently the case. I think now credit in the bank lasts a lot longer. So if you're ripping it up like Kibarigi is, I mean, he must be asking himself, what more do I need to get a phone call off Eddie Jones? Maybe maybe he has had one. But the reality of the situation is, you know, Jack Knoll might not play again in extra colours until the playoffs. And come internationals, Jack Knoll will get the call up because of credit in the bank. And I just think it's so frustrating. It's probably the right call, too, truth be told. But it's still frustrating. Yeah, and I, I do know, because I've heard it multiple times, that Eddie Jones speaks to a huge number. of So he picks up the phone to a huge number, 60-plus, mm. 70-plus players, and he's talking to all of them about what they need to be doing to get in the England shirt. <laughs> and even, even the ones who are nailed on uh, England starters are still getting the Eddie Jones treatment of, you need to do this, you need to do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, but uh, to keep them on their toes. It makes me think, and we've spoken about this before, like the Matt Ghetto story on... Love it. ...on Haskell's pod, which is absolutely brilliant. Like, have a beer, mate. You're not drinking, are you, mate? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, how many of these things are just to wind, play, wind players up and see how they react? Yeah, I think, I think there's an element of that, certainly with some individuals. Oh, yeah. ben, ben Youngs has said similar things, about like being bought Harry Bows and then like go on have a Harry Bow. <laughs> oh yeah, what are you having a Harry Bow? <laughs> you can't have a Harry Bow. So he uh, and I'm, I'm not breaking any confidences here because he's told me this on a podcast live. But he phoned up Carl Ferns and just told him that he, that he wasn't fit enough. To which Carl Ferns said, "Well, yeah, I am actually." And that was the end. The end of the relationship. <laughs> actually, you're wrong. I'm off to France. Bye. I'm sure. I'm sure people. If if you're a, an Irish, a Worcester, um, Quinns, Gloucester. Oh no, obviously Quinns and Gloucester are playing tomorrow. If you're a fan of other teams we've not really mentioned, you must understand why. Um, because the the race for the top four is so intense at the minute, and and this is one element with a ring fenced league. Some of these games are, are almost meaningless, except for the fact I'm sure Irish and Worcester are both thinking when they went into that game today, we and Leicester as well are thinking it, we don't want to finish 11th. Just even though it has no effect, I bet they, just yeah. knowing we would have been down if it wasn't for a technicality. I wonder yeah. if they were just thinking, it's nice to see you guys. And they're looking at them and thinking, yeah, it's nice to see you guys. Let's just have a run out and, and go home. No pressure, no nothing. I, I, I bet it's far more genteel. I bet they don't care. I will. I will mention two things from the Worcester game. We've already mentioned Irish a, t- a tiny bit um, from the Worcester game. Um, it's good to fi- finally see Milani Nanai um, stretch his legs and do what he can do because he's a very effective runner mm. when he gets opportunity with ball in hand. And he started on the bench this week, but Ollie Lawrence, when he Ollie came Lawrence, on, he, yeah. the, the line for both of his two tries, so he came off the bench with like 
25, 30 minutes to go. He scored two sensational tries, both cut it, both in totally different one off ten, one off nine. Um the the running line, the power and the pace on both of those was class. It was to put it, to put it in perspective, JB, in thirty minutes he scored forty FRD points. <sighs> That's quite incredible. That's quite incredible. That is incredible. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I let him go. Well, I picked him up last year on the advice of um, player guru and head of recruitment at Ealing Trailfinders, Alex Shaw. And he didn't do anything. So, <laughs> as usual, Alex was right just a year before everyone else. So, yeah. this year, of course, I didn't pick him up. And look, and look what's happened. Mm. Yeah. And Ibatoya well. well. You, you were brilliant before lockdown, JB. You've just, you've done a Northampton. You've just, your fancy <laughs> rugby draft team just went to crap when, after when I, lockdown. When I opened the metaphorical paper to find out that Ibatoya had left the country, I, I nearly blew my top. <laughs> of all the players. He's an, F, an FRD beast and he's gone. And so had Kyle Eastman. Kyle Eastman had gone. Yeah. Has Kyle Eastman got a club? Because I saw... No. I saw Noel Reed got red carded in his first start for. Oh, remember. Is it? I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he's got. He, so he's playing. Bateman's gone to Dragons. Uh, is, is there Man, anyone else left? Uh, Manu's at Sale. And uh, Vianu went to Stad. Yeah. So the only yeah. one left Good is point. Eastmond. There, there was also... the only ones left is Eastman though, and there was something in the rugby paper today saying Leicester are deciding whether to contest the money, the legal, uh, the legal challenges are in from those players. They are seeking damages, lost earnings, rightly so, and uh, and Leicester are taking advice on whether to contest that in any way or whether just to cough up the cash, which they, I think they, will be they have to cough up they a hefty amount of money. Up. Yeah, it, good, good. They yeah, but you'd think. You'd think that they would have ironed that decision out before they made it, as in mm. they would know, they would know the strength of whatever clauses they've got in those contracts and whether they can be enforceable. Oh, or not. I completely agree with you, Phil. But this was more a case of can we bully? Yeah, I'm going to use these terms. Can we bully or cajole the rest of the squad into taking a 25% pay cut? Come what come what may, and if we have to break a few eggs to make an omelette that will be it so they were always going to pay the money if the players wanted them to but if you wanted the money you can't stay at Leicester Tigers and I think Leicester Tigers know full well that they breached breach these breach these contracts and therefore they will pay them out and it wouldn't surprise me one bit if the legal discussions that they're having are around how much do we pay rather than do we contest it okay and that, that would actually tie up because I mentioned this previously that players have to um, show, I can't remember the exact terminology, but they have to make a genuine attempt to mitigate Leicester's losses by getting another club, which is one of the things around Manu. If he takes a uh, 200 grand pay cut to go to sale, then Leicester are liable for the difference. But if he just sits on his arse and doesn't get another contract, then he won't be entitled to reclaim the full from zero to, say, 500k. Yeah. So I, I mean, I hope I would love to see see Kyle Eastman playing in the Premiership again. I feel France or Japan is calling for him. Uh, there's someone who also wants to Japan. come. 
there is someone somebody wants to come back to the premiership who was uh, posting some topless photos of themselves <laughs> in in what they describe as the best shape of their life is big luth big luth yeah. has some terminated his own rugby league contract and is desperate to come back to union i mean it doesn't really tally with what i know about the jobs market which is find a job before you leave a job but you know more power to him uh, as for those pictures i mean foie. <laughs> they are um yeah they're they're steamy let's put it that way he's in good shape uh, and I, I saw some some pictures from him on his instagram a little while ago about his shape um before he moved over to rugby league and he was over 110 kg and he was um i mean he's a big strong boy anyway with a bloody good frame on him so he looked good for 110 kg but he did not look in the shape that he currently looks. I'll put it that way. Yeah, he's very, very lean now, isn't he? Yeah. Almost... So I don't know the answer to this, and I wonder if it's a bit of bro science. I was talking to some academy lads in a Sail Sharks game a few... Well, whenever I was there last, right? And one of them looked substantially bigger than last time I saw him. And he's not a big lad anyway, but, you know, he's just got more muscular shape. I said, bloody hell, you, uh, you're looking big. Because, yep, just putting on the armour. And I was like, is that how you consider it? I, I, is that actually what you think, you know, it is? He goes, yeah, 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 you, know, you put on a bit of muscle to protect yourself in in the game. Do you think it works like that? Because I'm pretty sure it doesn't, actually. So I, I, I do suspect it does work like that. So you need some mass. Otherwise, you're just going to get thrown around like a rag doll. And that mass, if it's all fat, is not going to be good. If it's all muscle, if it's all muscle and there's no fat, is also probably not going to be good because you're going to be in a slight deficit all the time. Mm. And so you, you're going to limit your recovery. So I, I think there is something in it, albeit all that, that I've just said might be a bit of bro science. It sounds like... Uh, no, the, the, um, the body fat, uh, an amount of body fat is, is pro- it protects joints. Yes. Is it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're like going from... Say you're a fly half, a young academy fly half. In fact, this 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 lad was a fly half. He's a, he's tiny, but if he goes from like I, I don't know eighty two kg to eighty seven kg. I'm thinking like, so what? Will Spencer's still going to rip off your arms? <laughs> it will, yeah. It'll make it marginally more difficult for Will Spencer to rip off his arms. Yeah, it'll, but uh, it, it... maybe more satisfying for Will Spencer, if anything. <laughs> So I, I I do I genuinely believe there is something in it actually. Yeah, I'd like to know what uh, S and C people think think of that, and if they do. You know, on... you should do you should do a rugby dungeon with. I hope you up Alan Waters. Uh, James... T- t- tell me, it's Alan Waters. Hud- no, James Hudson. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Where's he now? Is he was he... at Bath. He, he was at Bath Uni. Uh, he was doing chemistry. He then went and played with Bath, London Irish, Gloucester, Newcastle. I think he's at Gloucester as the nutritionist. Yeah, you're right. He is actually. That that's a great shout. Hmm. But thank you for that tip. Mm. There you go, and you can find out what's bro science and what's not. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear the results, the answers. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, just one um, one other thing. Whilst we're sort of talking about France and players coming and going, a player that came from France into Leicester Tigers in the opposite direction. I think it's worth mentioning Zach Henry, who has. Been playing remarkably well. Mm. Uh, the problem is, in fact, the problem I have with Zach Henry in general now is 
He's played really well. And I'm starting to think, is this the right move for him to come to Leicester? The more I see him, the more I think he would be better somewhere where he's going to be guaranteed game time as the number one fly half. Because I think I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there. Go on. Because in the next year, Leicester are going to spend a lot of money on George Ford. They're not going to see a lot of George Ford. I was just thinking exactly the same, actually. So he he will be guaranteed eight to ten games a season where he is the number one fly half. But it's still not the same as being the number one fly half, though, is it? Maybe maybe more, yeah. Yeah, if, um, if Leicester are ever successful again, Zach Henry wants but, to be playing. How did just you remember, finals, yeah, no? yeah, but what team before this move would have taken someone from the second French division and gone? He's our number one. No. Now his next contract, yeah. he's going to do very well if he carries well, on on the trajectory he's on. That's kind that's of what I'm thinking, point. actually. Which is, is this a stepping stone to uh, lead the charge at Wasps or Worcester or somewhere else in 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 the future? Because I think, or I will, think he's probably or, or, good or could potentially, Leicester think we're not getting the the reward if they moneyball it. Well, yes, they're not getting that they could they could spend the George Ford money elsewhere. This, yeah. It's a crazy thing to think because he's he, he's so good. But this is just what again we've talked about it many times. The issue of having England players the the double sided coin. It, it can there's some drawbacks as well as. Yeah, I am fully on board with the idea that you value your players only for premiership value. And if they go to internationals, fine, but you should not value an international player ahead of a premiership player just because they're an international. Does that make any sense whatsoever? Um, Yes, or or the, the way that I would put it is you have to take into account the availability of that player. So George Ford, if he plays twenty games, twenty-two games a season, he might be worth six hundred k. But if you know he's only going to be available for twelve games a season, he's going to be worth say sixty percent of that six hundred k. That's that's yeah. how I would look at it. Get rid of the flip side of that is I'd say the flip side of that in that equation is if you were someone like Exeter Chiefs, you look at Stuart Hogg, half a million quid suggested salary. You look at that and you go. Over the next year, we're not going to have him that much. However, we're confident in our squad to get us to knock out rugby in league and Europe. Then you want your half a million pound player in there to do the business when that's it really it. Yeah, matters. That's a very, so that's very good and point. when when you've got a squad that's as intelligently put together and conditioned and trained and coached as the Exeter team, you can afford to do that. This... Unfortunately, when you're Leicester. You cannot afford to do that. This is my Piertel conundrum. So my Piertel conundrum is, is is Sir Charles Piertel worth half a million quid? And um, the answer was yes, just not to Bristol when they first get promoted. Obviously, I was wrong there. He was worth every penny. Yeah. He probably was. He, he, is, he is worth every penny, actually. But I, it, just I, get I, rid I think, of... it, I think it's, it's rumoured a million, not, yeah, not it's half a, lot, a million. What? It's a lot more. It's a lot more than I'm... half a million, but... He is still worth it. <laughs> okay, so just get rid of the marquee players because I think they're going to disappear anyway. I know they've gone from two to one, haven't they? Uh, next season next they're going season, from right? two to one. And yeah, I think maybe we should go to zero. I don't know. Maybe we keep. I don't know. But get rid of them. Is George Ford still worth six hundred k of your new salary cap? I am saying no. Not a hope. No. no one is. And if you've got rid of, so you've got rid of twenty odd percent of your salary cap 
and then your marquee players, no no player in the Premiership can be worth that money. I, I, I'm trying to think of the player, because, of course, you can't give him marquee money. Who is the player who is worth the most to end... Just actually worth the most. Who would be worth the most? Owen Farrell? Probably. I would give Owen Farrell more money than George Ford purely because he can do more things across the twelve. line. He can do 12, yeah. That's pretty much it. He gives you a tiny bit more flexibility. I'd give him about 10% more than George Ford. Yeah, but then but the, the, the real question is, and there are players in the Premiership on 500k, 600k, up to a million when you throw in the likes of Piatau and Radrada um, and potentially Adam Coleman, potentially, if the rumours yes, are true. Of course. of course, that fits in perfectly. How do I miss that name? <laughs> but um, the the new, if, if, if you're going down to one um, and potentially going down to zero um, and you've lost 20, 25% of your um, salary cap, no one is going to be worth that money in the Premiership. No. Not not one player, because not one player can add such a difference where they take up 10% of your entire um, salary cap and the whole of the rest of the 40-odd players you're going to have is the remaining 90%. I wonder if the future of signing rugby players lies in overall deal value rather than um, per year earnings. That's how I, So what I mean by that is when Faf de Klerk signs again for sale, it's going to be six years with an overall deal value of three million, say, or what? Or yeah. But there's there's danger in doing that as well. Yeah, exactly. That's and that's what I mean. I think the clubs will have to take the danger on the longevity of the deal rather than the year to year expenditure because I don't think they can afford the year to year expenditure either. You know, in itself or against the cap. But then, how do you in, in that scenario? How do you keep players hungry? What do you do? If they're, if they're, on, if they're got, on a, yeah, you've got to get the right a juicy six year deal. Yeah, you've got to get the right characters. And, you know, if you yeah. get it, yeah, and that's the risk, isn't it? So if you get someone who just does not care, I mean, there are rugby players out there who do not care about rugby. They play because it's a good living, but they don't watch any rugby. They don't really care much for it. You're going you're gonna to have a bit of an issue, but that is the risk that the clubs will have. And that's what the deals that the um, players will be looking for, which is six years at that money, if I manage it right, or five years at that money, if I manage it right, can change my life forever. Mm. And then, just to make it more exciting, maybe you will get the Darrell Reeves style player who will just do one-year deals, like Harry Nordicke did, by, by the way, just going club to club for, to the highest bidder. If you want to get over, over the line to win a premiership for one year, I'm available. Which is what Parise has done by going to Toulon. On a one year, yeah. So, um, and uh, one thing that uh, did spring to my mind is if you're going to do those kind of deals, you need performance related pay, as in you can do the long deal that's potentially worth this much, but I need these commitments from you as a player to perform these number of games, do these metrics, etc. etc. How do you model that for your salary cap? Because you might end up with a situation where you have an awful lot of wasted cap. So if I model... Yeah, salary, that's a good point. Yeah. So if, I, if my salary cap says, look, you've got to score 60 tries uh, this year and I'll basically give you, give you the whole lot, um, and they don't, well, then you get, you've wasted your cap. But you can get you can get Parise in for the playoffs. Uh, yes, you could. Yes, you could. If you make the playoffs. <laughs> that's a cracking idea. So in a way, you want them to end up... So you might do something like this was a situation that a professional team near us had one at uh, one time where a player 
all they needed to do is get on the field for a 20k 20k bonus so they'd arranged it before the game and one of the players was arranged to feign an injury to come off the field so his mate could go on right at the end <laughs> and get the bonus and the player didn't do it yeah exactly exactly oh so um yeah you'd be kind of and I've got another great great one like that. Saracens back in the day. This is a long time ago before Saracens were Saracens. They had a situation where they would get in any old prop. Well, not any old prop. Good props, but from the lower leagues. And they'd play them for nine consecutive games. Then on the 10th consecutive game, they'd get in a new prop. Because on the 10th game, their contract had a, a, a clause in. Which means they were entitled to like a pay rise or something. <laughs> but this one year, they went through so many props. <laughs> The nine-game rule. Yeah, I'll have to get the actual details of that story because the prop it involves is actually coaches at Talk H. So um, I, I will get you <laughs> the your, exact details. I was just thinking on your on your, your your new system where you have performance-related pay and therefore you might have people that come in for playoffs. That opens up a whole kind of rugby mercenary who could maybe do the Japanese season and then be available to a Premiership club for yes. the last six weeks. Well, that's what Sale did. So we're getting lads in from South Africa. So, um, yeah, Van Rensburg came. Yeah, we're over. getting lads from South Africa. I don't. I don't believe. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, true story. Um, uh, like um, Ambrose came in for six weeks. So if you've got a little gap in your in your salary cap, you bring over, bring in a lad. You plug him in over the autumn internationals. Oh, Papier, the scrum half. Yeah, he is unbelievably fast. He is unbelievable. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in the. In the Premiership, in a team near us, you know, one one day soon, I would not be surprised <laughs> one one bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So there was a rumor about James Haskell in the papers uh, when he was looking for a club and he couldn't find one. And the rumor was that instead of signing for a club, he'll just keep himself fit and healthy, which he does anyway. Mm. Um, and then he's available for more money when somebody is desperate for a flanker and invar- invariably in rugby you are desperate for flankers because there's a huge there's a huge attrition rate and if James Haskell's willing to come in you can get him for well you can get him you'll have to pay him quite a bit of money but you can get him and this is an old NFL thing NFL guys stay on the sideline keeping fit and then when you need one for playoffs you've got one mm. it would change things significantly if that happened yeah but I, I don't like performance related play because we'd always have to assume wouldn't we that we you always have to stretch your salary cap on maximum player performance, unless you averaged it out. Unless you've got some sort yeah. of al- algorithm. You'd, that... you'd, have to, you'd have to make a, um, a calculation on assumed performance earnings based on each player. So you could say that it, you could assume they're all going to achieve, say, 75% of their potential earnings on average across the board. But on the other hand, you'd only ever have to really spend this, you would hope, if you won the Premiership, in which case it's money well spent. Otherwise, yes. Hmm, this is interesting. We need to think about this. This some more. Uh, well, we're, we're back. We're back for another podcast very soon. Oh, that, uh, do you know what? I'll save it for next podcast because I want to talk to you about my front row license licensing idea. But we're <laughs> one hour forty in. Yeah, let's yes, do it tomorrow. And we've, and we've got um, yeah, we're gonna, so we're going to do a podcast tomorrow as we're talking now. Uh, but it could be in your feed already. But a second podcast of the week, looking ahead to Europe. And just tying off other loose ends like JB's front row license. Yeah, exactly. So for all of those out, talk about. all of you out there who think scrimmaging and the subject of licensing is interesting, <laughs> tune into that one. 
<laughs> I'm 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 down for fifty percent of that conversation. <laughs> I tried I to just, think which one percent. I, I just I, this could be a watershed moment. We're going to have JB talking about adding Reg- regulations. Yeah, I've got some great ideas about regulating front rows. But but. <laughs> We've also got a podcast coming, looking ahead to a massive weekend of European rugby. I love quarterfinal weekend. It's that perfect amount of really intense, well-matched games and enough matches that keeps you hanging on the whole weekend. Do you know what I'm not looking forward to next weekend? The fact that, well, the thing I love most about semi-finals and no quarterfinals, sorry, and European weekends is you get so comfortably drunk in your own rugby club as it starts to draw in, as the nights draw in and you've got not just the three o'clock game then you've got the game at five did you just have a seven o'clock game or a later one again three five and seven it, it yeah, depends that sounds about right. Re- recent years they've often split them on two days so you have two on the saturday two on the sunday yeah but in the group stages they have oh yeah did they in even the group have stages. one later they might have even had one later what, one three one three five seven one yeah. three five seven. Oh, and then on the a days. Sunday, one three five. And you could watch it. You could you could play. Yeah, so you'd arrive at the rugby club. You could watch a little bit with with a coffee. You can get a change, play your own game, come straight back in, watch the first two, uh, or the next, not the first two, but the next game or two at the club, and then wander off into the Crown in Didsbury and have another beer and watch yet yeah, another game. Ah, that's it. And in the internationals, the French usually kick off about eight or nine, which is yeah. brilliant. Well, that one of the things I'm missing is um, if you're ever at a loose end on a Sunday evening, which uh, we, well, we've recorded quite late tonight. Um, but before that, there was top 14 action going on, and I was unable to watch it because it's not shown in the UK. Yeah, that's a shame. And, well, you've always got to remember one of the greatest events in, in, in rugby was the absolutely hammered Saturday night pizza watching the Haguares. <laughs> Kick off at like quarter to midnight. midnight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't remember a single thing that happened, but I know I watched it and I loved every second. But you occasionally, if you time your night out right, you occasionally time the, or used to time the... Uh, 4 a.m. return from Mojo's with the Sunwolves <laughs> kicking off. <laughs> yes, victories, small victories everywhere. Oh, those are the days, right? Yeah. Uh, let, tune in, find us tomorrow, download us tomorrow, and we, we can carry on reminiscing there about when the best times are to, to watch rugby. Uh, so you can find me at Jay Beardmore, find Tim at Cocker, find this podcast uh, at Rugby Podcast, and from me, Tim and Phil, we will see you tomorrow i guess let the boys play botox cosmetic out of botulinum toxin a fda approved for over 20 years so talk to your specialist to see if botox cosmetic is right for you for full prescribing information including boxed warning visit botoxcosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300 remember to ask for botox cosmetic by name To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.